As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMP, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ohio State loses to Oregon, 35-28. And Ari, I guess my first question to you would be, if Ryan Day spent less time at practice, glad-handing Netflix comedians like Sebastian Maniscalco, do you think Ohio State would have won that game on Saturday? Do you think Sebastian Maniscalco was in the front row of the game going, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I called that game a helmet game before the the week and into the week. And I didn't know I was talking about Ohio State. <laughs> oh, my God, was I wrong. Woo. Like, I mean, there's no other way to there's no other way to put it. Boy, was I wrong. Like in every aspect of the way a human being would process a football game in a team. I was wrong. Like, I am so appalled by what I saw on Saturday that, like, I know that there's overreaction. I know that there's reaction, and I know there's rationality. And you'll bring me into the realm of rationality, but, bro, that was, like, that was worse than 18 Maryland, I think. Well, yeah, and I'm because, not saying like from beat, a st- they beat Maryland, yeah. So they, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm not even talking about I'm not even talking about wins and losses or yardage or whatever. That was like Shooter McGavin on the green with his arms out as the ball goes in. 
Like, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Yeah, they got pushed around. They got, like, basically, I mean, on, on I'm trying to think, I guess it was the, the national championship last year, but I almost don't count that. Like, the last time Ohio State just got, like, its ass kicked up front on both sides of the ball for the entire game, in addition to, like, being outclassed scheme-wise um, and just, like, generally not looking ready to play. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would count the national championship since the team had 900 first-round picks on it and is just generally better. And I don't think it's appalling when you get your butt kicked by a better team. Ohio State got its butt kicked by a team that isn't even close to being as good. That was also missing its two best players. And missing its two best players. And it's just like, I think you can line it up again next week. And with competent coaching, Ohio State could beat that team by 25. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think that the spread was correct. I think that Ohio State, you know... If for all the people who don't want to let go of their season, if they get it squared away, is talented enough to win a bunch. But like, I don't think this is a national championship caliber team, personnel wise. Certainly, like, doesn't I, look like I, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I just, I know that everybody is just. Let's get the defense fixed. We'll figure it out. We'll win the Big Ten. One loss. Big. We're still going to be into the into the playoff. And it's like, yes, I believe that's true. If Ohio State is a one-loss Big Ten champion at the end of the year, I think they'll still be in the playoff. Goals are still out there. All the things that the coach will say during a press conference, you know, it all still exists. But there is nothing about the organization of the defensive staff, uh, the inability to line up correctly, the over-utilization of personnel rotation, the wrong personnel on the field for large portions of the game. You have a defensive back who's limping for the entire first half playing. There's no pass rush generated. Uh, They are calling timeouts like maniacs. They're getting blown off the football. They're slow. Like, I felt like I was watching a Big Ten West team during a bad game. Yeah, it felt like you were watching, like, uh, I don't know, like Northwestern (laughs) play. like, Like a good Northwestern team playing against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. championship. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was like one team is pretty good, but it's just not going to happen today. And it's like, you know me, man, like during during games when Ohio State's losing, I'm Mr. (laughs) Pound that live button. Yeah. Pound that live button. And in the second quarter uh, on Saturday's game, I was like, bro, I wouldn't touch this with a with a million foot pole. Yeah, because like people are like, are you going to smash this? Are you going to smash this? I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you text. <laughs> and it got me, to- yeah, you text me during the game and asked me if I thought they were going to lose, and I said, or at halftime, and I said, I don't know if I think they're going to lose, but it definitely doesn't feel like the Minnesota game. Like the Minnesota game, I was fairly certain that Ohio State was going to come back and win that game, and like this game just did not have that feel to it at all. Yeah, I. There was a moment, too, where Ohio State was down by 14 in the third quarter, and uh, it was like 4-1 to one that they would win. And like, to me, that would be an attractive an attractive thing to do uh, because Ohio State's offense, I thought, could get what it wanted for the most part, and that's the most ironic part of this whole game. You know, the defense actually got two stops in a row with Ohio State right. down seven, and their offense couldn't do it, and there was just one missed throw that would have tied the game. But, man, I just, like, when you try to – I read a lot of stuff on Twitter about this is a national championship caliber team when things click and they'll have a second chance. And a lot of the 2014 comparisons, even I made one in the middle of the game of 
you know, this is the first time since 2014 Ohio State's been trailing at halftime for their first two games, and then they won the national title. Like, I get all that. And I try to transport myself back into how I felt about Ohio State in 2014 after the Virginia Tech game. And if you remember that, I was just like, this team sucks. Mm-hmm. And then they won the national championship and things clicked, and I understand that. But this, to me, felt more like 2018 than 2014. Um. I, I don't think you're alone in that. I, I, I think it's probably – I mean, it's certainly too early to say which direction it's going, but I, I understand the sentiment because 2018 – I mean, if you were – yeah, describe the 2018 Ohio State Buckeyes to somebody, and you would say their defense was terrible. They couldn't get lined up. Their scheme sucked. Um, they just were not well coached on that side of the ball. And then offensively, they could throw it around the yard, but they couldn't run the ball well enough to have a balanced offense, and they just couldn't consistently – you know, be dominant offensively to to win the way they needed to win, um, and that's kind of what it looked like on on Saturday. So, I don't know. I, I I do think the some of the offensive stuff I'm not super worried about, like their relative inability to run the ball compared to how they've run it in the past and how they ran it last week. Like, I I think that gets fixed. I just think they're too good up front and their running backs are too good for that to be a problem that persists. And we'll talk. I think we'll talk about C.J. Stroud later. I, like, I want to put a pin in that for a second because um, the defense to me feels more urgent. Uh, this like I, the defense is, in my opinion, is broken. Like this, this coordinator coordinating this defense with this personnel does not work. Yes. So and I don't know. How, I don't know change. how you. How do you fix that in, a, in the middle of the season? No idea. But because like this is the same thing that we were talking about after. Remember the podcast that we had the morning after they lost to Alabama in the national championship game? Yeah. It was, okay, that didn't work. They have an all entire offseason to figure this out. Let's see if they can get a different scheme in, a different you know flavor of personnel in there and see if they can fix it. I was like, to me, the biggest, most alarming thing about incompetence is the persistence of mediocrity without change. Yeah. It is it blows it blows my mind a little bit. Like their defense last year their defense was not good all of last year. And you can say like, well, it was a shortened season, you know, statistical outliers against Indiana and Alabama pumped the numbers up and if they played a full season they would even out a little bit. Like, okay, that's fine. They still weren't a good defense. Um and to come off of that season, go through this entire offseason talking about, oh, all we needed was time, all we needed was one more build up, and then to come out and like do the same shit. <laughs> They're doing the exact same thing they did last year. The only change they've made is like they replaced their Sam linebacker with a smaller guy who's a little faster, which is like what every team in college football does already. So like they didn't change anything, and their defense sucks. It sucked last year. It sucks this year because they they looked at what they had and like oh that was good enough. Let's do that again. Like I don't I, I that doesn't compute with me how you could look at what they did last year and just like run it back. I don't get like I, I don't understand. And that's a failure of Ryan Day. I think number one. But also like Kerry Combs too, who can, like he's ten games into this and just looks in, like way in over his head. And then he said he's not very good at organizing, which I thought was an interesting, you know, situation. It's like the thing too is Kerry Combs is a beloved figure in Ohio State, uh, you know, history. Complicated. This is complicated. Yeah. Yeah, and like I don't know. He was a hell of a defensive backs coach, both in recruiting and development, right? Mm-hmm. He has lost the fan base. 100%. Like, they are – I can't think of 
a time where an Ohio State assistant was a big was Bill Davis. I just don't think that his role was important enough for it to match this because I'm not saying that he didn't cause them a lot of problems, yep. but linebackers coach doesn't necessarily, you know, rise to the same level of fire the coordinator. Like every single person in my mentions yesterday was fire combs on the tarmac. Yeah, and I like think, that's I think Ed Warner got that in 15. Maybe maybe the- yeah, Ed Warner did get that in 15. You're yeah. right and. People don't remember this, but when Luke Fickle was a defensive coordinator, he got it pretty good too. He, a cer- few times. he certainly did, yeah. And now he's, I think his team is going to be four and zero in two weeks, and that's a that's a prediction that we made earlier on in the year. Indiana sucks, and so does Notre Dame, and I think Cincinnati's going to beat both of them. But that's a discussion for another time. By the way, everybody sucks. Yeah. So, like, that's the good. Take solace in that if you're an Ohio State fan. Everybody sucks, and like, if you can figure it out, I like. I think they're. Their single high safety, slow personnel is good enough to win the Big Ten. <laughs> but it's just like, I don't think that they could beat anybody else in the playoff with what's going on right now. I mean, yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's up to the coordinator to identify that. And also, Bill, take coaching away for five seconds. Take scheme away for five seconds. Are their players good? Are their linebackers good? Are their defensive backs good? Because they don't look good to me. Uh, yeah, I think some. I think Cody Simon is good. Cody Simon played thirty five snaps against Oregon. He needs to play more. Uh, I actually thought like like Denzel Burke has played two games and led the corners, and he played seventy four snaps against Oregon. He played all but one snap against Oregon. But he played pretty well. I thought Cameron Brown, who you were talking about, you were alluding to when you said that there was a corner out there who was limping, like is clearly not healthy. But he played fifty eight snaps, and I thought he played really well. Um. I guess if he's not fully healthy, he can't play the entire game. Obviously, you don't want to make him do that. But I, I was surprised he was out there. I was like seeing how he was like favoring whatever he's favoring. So I was surprised. It felt too. like Devonte Smith in the national title game. Yeah, or, I mean, uh, sorry, Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I I actually thought both those corners played well. I thought that Josh Proctor had been playing well, and he unfortunately suffered that injury and. Uh, we don't have an update on that yet, but Ryan Day didn't sound optimistic about about Josh Proctor coming back this year. Um, that's kind of it. <laughs> that's kind of it, though. Um, okay, let me let me whittle it down a little bit for you. Does Ohio State have a good linebacker, Cody Simon? I think Cody is Simon. Young? Cody Simon is pretty good, and I think Taraja Mitchell has played fairly well in these two games. Why are they slow? Uh, I don't know that they they're are. slow. I don't know that. There's, I don't know. That, they, I mean, Taraja, they, well, they're playing slow. They play slow. I don't know that they are slow. Yeah, they play slow. That's like that's a problem with the defense as a whole. Like you watch the, yeah. the ball is snapped. You watch these guys, and they look like there's a million things going through their head rather than just like watching what's happening in front of them and reacting to it. Like the juxtaposition between Ohio State's linebacker play and Oregon's linebacker play, I thought was pretty stark. Like Oregon's linebackers just fly to the ball. Yeah, fly to the ball. Ohio that's State's linebackers see. do not fly to the ball. They trip no, they over their crawl own, to the ball. over their own yeah. feet. They they are they're stagnant. Um, there's just there's not a lot of instinct there. Um, and I would say that here's that's the way the I'll put that. Here's the way I'll defense. put that. I feel like Ohio State's linebackers are always chasing. Yeah, and I'd never feel like they're arriving. Yeah, I think I I I don't know. I think that's a fair. I think it's a fair assessment. I don't know how much of that is like lack of athleticism I don't think it's I mean maybe with some guys it is but but I overall I'm not sure that's what it is I think it's over diagnosis overly complicated scheme and guys who like 
just can't get out of their own way because they're so this is the greg shiano problem again feels like it a little bit it feels like it a little bit like i don't and and that's just from like watching how they react like we don't know what all they're told to do but i think if you watched in 2018 it just felt like rather than scrap their shitty scheme and like play something that's simpler they like overcompensated by putting in all these checks and different responsibilities and responses to things that the offense was doing. And it felt like those players were paralyzed by that. And it feels like these players now are being a little paralyzed by that. And that's not like a cure all. I'm not saying like, stop doing that and you'll be fine. Cause it's deeper. It's deeper than that. But I think that that's part of it. Is Ohio state's past results, uh, in recruiting linebacker positions starting to creep up. Yeah, I, th- I think past results recruiting defense in general is starting to, to creep up on them a little bit. Their, their defensive line is not watching, – watching an Ohio State team that is incapable of stopping the run with, like, its front four is a little jarring. They don't typically get beat up like that up front, and they got beat up for, like, the majority of that game. Do they have a single sack in that game? Uh, no. I think they hit Anthony Brown twice. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at Pro Football Focus right now. They did not have a sack. Uh, they had seven total pressures and hit the quarterback four times. Yeah, they don't. So the defense, and yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there, there, there is no redeeming takeaway from that game defensively. The only thing. Thing I would even throw out there was JTT. Quality. No, I don't think he played very well either. Um, the only thing I would throw out there was redeeming quality of the defense is the cornerback play against the pass. I thought was pretty good. I thought Denzel Burke and Cameron Brown were good, to be more specific. Yeah, JTT was fine. Um, if you, I mean, look at his, what do you look th- at his grades? He graded out well, but I thought there were there were times where he got kind of blocked out of place too. Also, he's a true freshman playing in the second yeah, yeah, game I mean, ever. Not, so, like, you not, know, like, yeah. Him, yeah. I just thought that in the he he flashed a little bit at times. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I he, had a, he, had a, he batted down that pass late, right when they went yeah. two stops. Yeah, that was a nice play. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, thought he was going to catch it. To be honest, that would have been nice. What about scoring on the same play three times? So that's like because it wasn't the same exact play, was it? Two of them were the exact same play. And the third was like a similar idea. Um, so what the, Oregon knew that Ohio that th- this is I think the biggest problem with Kerry Combs as coordinator. This this there's not a lot to this scheme. They basically play they play a single high safety. They play cover one or cover three, and that's about it. And that's like what Jeff Halfley did too. It was like I saw a lot of like boy Ohio State really misses Jeff Halfley. Like it's the same goddamn defense. So like Jeff Halfley's not Vince Lombardi. But the one thing that Jeff Halfley I think did have that Kerry Combs does not have is a feel for when to call man and when to call zone. And it's, I don't think that's like some kind of like extra sensory perception that Jeff Halfley has, but he had it. And, and Kerry Combs does not appear to, because I feel like every time Ohio state lines out there, it's either like, this is the cover three week, or this is the cover one week. And whenever he decides on that week is the thing they do for the entire game. And Oregon knew that they were going to get man coverage on third down. And all they did was have the uh, tight end or the receiver who was on the outside in man coverage crack down on the linebacker. And the person who was covering that receiver is supposed to exchange with the linebacker so that there was a body on the outside. 
And what happened was two defenders went with the guy who was cracking down on the linebacker, and there was nobody over there. And, oh, by the way, your free safety who had the play because Josh Proctor got hurt takes terrible angles to go try to clean up a play. So, like, it was a comedy of errors there, but a simple solution to stopping that would have just to, like, play zone once on third down. Like, mix your coverages once. They don't – Kerry Combs doesn't mix coverages at all. He plays one thing for the entire game. At least that's what it feels like to me. Maybe I mean, you can look up numbers, I guess, and tell me I'm wrong on that. But that's what it feels like. They are incredibly predictable and easily manipulated with Kerry Combs' as defensive coordinator. All right. So here's my overall – if I was at the game, here's what I would have written. Not that you wrote the wrong thing or the right thing. This is just what I was thinking and what I probably would have written. Yep. When Urban Meyer was at Ohio State, the first year they went undefeated. Mm-hmm. The second year they went undefeated and then lost to the Michigan State Spartans in the Big Ten Championship game. Yep. The following game they lost to Clemson. Won their opener against whatever overmatch opponent they played, then lost to Vatek. That was three loss or two loss three losses in four games. And at that point, Ohio State fans went from, oh my God, we have Urban Meyer. This is amazing. Everything's great. We're never going to lose another regular season game ever again to like, oh my God, what the hell is going on with our team? And there were some questions about Ohio State's defensive scheme. If you remember why the personnel in the secondary was kind of off. If you remember exactly, like I have to go back and read what we were complaining about at that time. But I remember Von Bell and the and the safeties was a major problem, and the defensive scheme to a certain extent was. And, you know, of course, part of that, too, was Braxton Miller's arm falling off. To me, it feels like that is the same intersection that Ryan Day is in right now. And it's not quite as egregious because they made it to the national championship game last year. But they got their ass kicked against Alabama, a team that they're supposed to match up with. Uh, your quarterback is different the following year. You lose the second game of the season to a very beatable but sexy helmet non-conference schedule. And now you're in a position where what you do as a head coach is going to define what happens for the next year or two. And I feel like that's the position. that Do you see the parallels between those two things? I do. Uh, but but like Urban, Urban made a change with his defensive coordinator after 2013. He brought in Chris Ash. To, well, he brought in Chris Ash, I guess, to co-coordinate the defense with Luke Fickle. Um, but they changed the scheme. So, like, I don't know. I think you're right. I think I think it does feel like they're in a similar position, but I don't know. I, I don't mean that, that like, everything is, is matching up perfectly. I feel like they're in the same critical juncture at the same exact time in their, in their tenure. Right, but I guess what I was getting at was, like, that, that like steps, steps to remedy that had already been taken by the time Ohio State lost to Virginia Tech. It just took a little bit. And, like, I, they weren't, like, even really – egregious defensive issues there um but like urban urban saw what wasn't good enough and made the change prior to them losing to virginia tech like the michigan state and clemson losses were enough for him to make the change and yeah and the alabama the how bad the defense was last year apparently were not enough for ryan day to make the change and i, I don't it, it might be too late for that like i don't know you can yeah fire in the middle of the season but like i don't like if he if he shuffles the deck again and like he doesn't even have to fire Kerry Combs he just make Kerry Combs the cornerbacks coach again like and makes Paul Rhodes a defensive corner I have, I have no idea like are they're they'll probably still run the same defense right they're not going to change their scheme in the middle of the season I don't think you physically can change your scheme in the middle of the season can you no I mean in theory they should have been like practicing the 
proper change-ups to this scheme and like have something a little different in their bag that I guess they could go to moving forward. But the fact that they haven't done that through two games leads me to believe they don't have that in that bag. Have that in their bag. This is like who they are. So I don't know. I so, something needs to change. And Ryan Day always says like, well, it's personnel, it's scheme, or it's coaching. Like right now, it's all three. Um, and I don't know where you start to fix that. This is the first time it's been all three. Uh, yeah. Yeah, probably. Because even in 18, like, I, I, like there were – like, Chase Young was on that team. Jeff Okuda was on that team. They were younger players, but I don't know if they were bad players. The scheme sucked. They weren't coached particularly well because Bill Davis was their linebackers coach. Um, but two of the three stood out more there than now. Like, uh, now it feels to me like all three are an issue, like a pretty glaring issue. And I suppose a simple solution to the personnel piece is just, like, to stop playing so many guys. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, what do you think of the rotation? It feels to me that, like, we used to joke, and I, if you remember back in the days where you and I were best friends living in Columbus, and you had first taken the job, but, like, Kerry Combs, through all those times where he would have, what, six first-round draft picks, as, uh, defensive backs, or whatever that streak was, mm-hmm. he would rotate his best corners out of the game. And we would be like, why are you doing that? And we would tease him in practice, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And he would explain why he felt that was the best thing to do. Because remember, Denzel Ward was coming in for somebody. And I can't remember who it was specifically, but we were like, why is Denzel Ward coming into the game when you have whoever it was? Maybe like Arian Conley, maybe. It was somebody that got... It was also somebody who got drafted in the first round. Mm -hmm. I just can't remember. The years kind of blend together. And then Kerry Combs was like, because Denzel Ward is a first-round draft pick. And it was just like, oh, okay. And then that's what happened. You know, and that they were all very, very good. But I feel like they're, they're rotating because they don't know who's good, not because they have too many good players. I feel the same way. I I, I think that's part of it. And part of it also might be like guys are hurt. I don't know, like... Cody Simon, from from what we could gather, had been like in and out of practice like all summer, and and I like is playing with like a brace on his arm, um, so like maybe he is just not in a place physically that he can be an every down linebacker, and that's why he plays thirty five snaps and Tommy Eichenberg plays thirty eight. Um, that's why like I guess Cam Brown didn't play every snap at cornerback and Legend Cavazos played some. 
I think that maybe that's part of the reason, but I think there's also something happening here where, yeah, they don't know. And Ryan Day kind of said that, like, oh, it was so close in the summer. Like, every position battle was so was so tight that we felt like everybody deserved to play. Like, well, very clearly there's a, there's a line of demarcation here at a lot of these positions, I feel like. Like, I feel like we've seen enough through two games, and frankly, I thought we saw enough after one game, that there are just some guys who shouldn't be playing. Yet they continue to play. And it's like, this is the college football podcast, and we're talking to unplayed unpaid players and i feel like none of us want to just come out here and be like so and so sucks but i think we all can kind of put the put the pieces together in terms of who you might want to start with well and some of the guys are young too it's not like it's not to say they can't be good someday just like they don't some of them don't look ready right now yeah no i'm not trying to be i'm not trying to be an asshole but there are certain you know personnel packages where i look at there and i'm just like what's on the field right now i mean they played yeah and I think some of the stuff they're doing is like, it's not, it's not irres- irresponsible. Is not the right word, but like the idea. I'm, I'm not trying to single him out because like it was far from his his fault that Ohio State lost. But like Palieno Teote like just gets eligible and he's on the field for some important downs and and like he got lost in the wash a little bit. Um, I don't know why he's playing in like a high leverage moment like that when he like just got eligible and you yourself as a staff has said to yourself like, well, we haven't been giving him first team reps in practice because we didn't know if he was ever going to play. And like three days earlier, Ryan Day said like he wasn't eligible. So like there's some, and he only played four snaps, but there were pretty four pretty important snaps. One of them was a touchdown for Oregon. And one of them was like a key third down that Oregon converted backed up against its own end zone. So like those kind of decisions, like I just don't, I don't get that. Yeah. Work a guy like that into the fold slower. Like there's no, you don't have to play him there. Yeah, I agree with you. So what is your your confidence level, if, if at all, that Ohio State can right the ship on this stuff? Because um, mine is very, very low. Like on a scale of 1 to 10, it's like a 3 maybe. <laughs> I think that they are going to be successful in masking it. Well, that's the thing that's, that is unfortunate about where we currently are, is that they play... Tulsa and Akron and Rutgers and Maryland in the next four weeks, and I think we're. Dude, Rutgers is good, man. Rutgers is pretty good, actually. They're two and zero. I I actually uh, that was my play of the week last last uh, Saturday. Rutgers minus two. I don't know how we got here, but it's how we got Wait, here. When they yeah they they uh, they, yeah, they pummeled, beat the crap pummeled Temple yeah. yeah and they beat Syracuse. No 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 no. I meant this, oh, this Saturday when they beat, when when they beat, beat Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, they're not. They're yeah. What whatever. They're Ohio State plays Tulsa and Akron and Rutgers and Maryland in its next four games, and it's going to look like at least it better look like some things are fixed. If it doesn't look like things are fixed, then we'll, we need to have a different conversation. Um, but I think it will look like things are fixed, and none of it will be real. Like we're not going to know anything about. And it was kind of like that in 2014. Like they were bad in the beginning of the year. They looked awesome in like the next four or five weeks, and we didn't really know how much of it was real until they went and played Michigan State. Um, and this could be a similar deal where we don't really know what's going on. Maybe until they play Indiana, but possibly like not even until they play Penn State on Halloween. Yeah. So have you ever seen that meme of flex tape? When oh, the thing you like smack. It's smack the infomercial yeah, guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's a tub of water that, and there's a water uh, coming out of the tube, and there's a, a salesman, and it's it's like Ohio State's defense. Defensive issues, Maryland, Maryland. <laughs> yeah, or like yeah, Tulsa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but I also feel like you could. Ohio State is going to. I think they are probably going to beat Penn State, and Michigan. 
And I think they're probably going to still... I don't think like I've changed my mind that they're going to win the Big Ten. But I don't think this team has a shot in hell of winning a playoff game. I don't... Not not as their defense is currently situated. I think... Well, like maybe if they... Maybe. This is like a, a, a reach maybe. But if they just... Yeah, you're at a three. Don't forget that. Yeah, if, they, if they just start playing their best 11 players and let those guys get comfortable and figure out whatever it is they're being asked to do over the course of the next month, maybe they can settle in and this can be like a top 60 defense rather than a defense that's ranked 112th in the country right now behind every other program in the state of Ohio, which is, I can't believe I'm saying that. Behind Bowling Green. Behind Bowling Green, behind Kent State. Yeah, they are uh, 112th in total defense. But bright side, they're only 105th in yards per play, so... They have that going for them, but I think if they if they settle on who their guys are and just like let them play and let them grow comfortable, maybe they can get some growth in that way. But I still, I just don't have any faith in the the combination of personnel, scheme, and coaching right now that this gets figured out to the point where they can do anything other than win the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, and the thing about it is, is that like an inherently flawed team can win the Big Ten for sure. They're still, and it's like I think that like Penn State looks gap. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the talent cap was there for Oregon. It didn't matter. And it's just like, maybe I need to pipe down with the Stars Matter bullshit. Because, like, sometimes... It's not that I... Here's my take on it. Stars matter when you're building a program. They aren't a metric for individual games. And if you have very deep issues with your personnel and your stars are lacking in certain position groups, which they clearly are right now, there are holes that can be exposed. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I know everyone's like, oh, stars don't matter. Look, they lost to Oregon. It's like, I hate when you say that because one of my... Uh, also, Oregon's number nine that. in talent composite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, also, it's like, oh, helmets don't stop concussions every single time somebody gets a blow to the head. Let's stop using them altogether. That's not how life works. Right. Okay? It's not an infallible metric that's going to ch- decide who wins every single football game ever played. But Ohio State has a abundance of talent at a few positions and they have a weakness at a few others and the positions that they're weak at are the positions that they're weak at on the field right now. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a direct correlation between that. So like, I don't know if defensive line falls in that category because they've got a lot of really high rated players, but like Jack Sawyer who had a few really good plays in the game isn't, you know, quite there yet. Um, I don't really feel like I'm, f- I don't feel Chase Harrison. We're not Chase Harrison. Zach Harrison. Zach Harrison. Sorry, it's been a long night. Uh, I don't feel Zach Harrison when I'm watching the game. You know, Tyreek Smith is is a problem at times, but not consistent. Like, I don't know, you know, what's going on with the defensive line. And I'm sure they'll figure that out. They've got really good players there. But, like, Legend Cavazos is a very raw young talent who, you know, has a lot to figure out still. Cam Brown can barely walk. You know, Denzel Burke is going to be a star in a year, but, like, he's still a true freshman. Like, I don't know if they have what they need in the defensive backfield to get where they need to go unless you just leave your two best players on the field and let them play. Especially now that Josh Proctor's hurt, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know who the best linebackers are, uh, but I feel like Cody Simon is probably one of them. Taraja Mitchell is probably another one. And it's just like, quit rotating, guys, and just let them play. Yeah. And let them gain experience. And it's just like, you know what, guys? They're probably not going to win the national championship this year, but they're probably going to be in position to win one in the next two or three years. So get your young players out there, let them ride, let them feel good about themselves, and then come into next year as like Alabama. 
because like they are going to have a lot of really good players on their team in, in two years. So, you know, I know that's not the way people want to hear it. And I know that, you know, winning a national championship is still the goal at Ohio state and will continue to be the goal every single year. But, you know, in a, in a situation too, where it's just like, it might not be happening this year, then you just kind of, you know, let your guys ride. And I just, I don't know if they feel like they're doing that with the rotation, but I think the rotation is killing them. The rotation is not, it's not helping. That's, that's for damn sure. Um, I will, I thought, um, just on the, on the subject of personnel, he didn't play a whole lot, but I actually thought Kevon Pope played pretty well. He didn't play at all last week against Minnesota, and he has not played a ton in his career relative to the other guys in his class. But um, the one the one thing that sticks out to me kind of about all the linebackers is they don't have much of a feel in the passing game of like dropping into the correct zones and playing with the correct depth and reading the quarterback the right way. And Kevon Pope did that like four times in the seven snaps he was on the field against, against Oregon. Um, now maybe I think back and look, maybe they were all like obvious passing downs and it made it easier on him. But like I would let him play a little more maybe. Um, because the guys that are rolling out there in past situations for the most part, and I would include Cody Simon in that too, although he's been a little better. Um, look totally lost when the other team is throwing the ball, um, which is a problem when you're trying to defend like intermediate zones with linebackers. So I'm curious to see if he might play a little more, and and just like how those those that rotation at linebacker in particular shakes out, because it seems like it's too wide open right now. Um, losing Josh Proctor is a huge deal. That like, I felt like you had one guy on this deep. You have to have a reliable guy who can play post safety, obviously, to play this defense. And Josh Proctor looked like he was trending in that direction. And there's nobody else on the roster who I would even like put in that same category. So like, losing him to me means you need to change this defense. Like, forget everything else we talked about. Like, you don't have anybody to play post safety anymore. You have to change the defense. Um, and maybe that'll be enough to nudge him in that direction, but I don't know. But here's what we'll, – we'll move on to the offense in a second. What I want to ask you before we wrap up the defensive discussion is what do you think is going to happen? Are they going to change the coordinator? Are they going to change the scheme? Are they going to change nothing? Like what do you think is going to happen? I think they're going to make marginal changes to the defense that are going to be good enough to win the Big Ten, and they're going to get their butts kicked uh, on national television, and then they're going to change their scheme after the year. Yeah, that's. I think that's probably most likely. Yeah. I am interested now if the if the Josh Proctor deal forces their hand to be more dramatic in their changes, but I think you're right. I mean, what would the, what would you do? Uh, and like, I, I get it. You're not a defensive coordinator. You're really good at Madden, uh, and you're good at fantasy football. But like, I, I want to know, like, as a reporter, what do you think would be a reasonable thing to do, or where do you think would be a reasonable place to start? Uh, stop playing single high safety. I would stop. I would stop playing single high safety. I would be more aggressive, and being more aggressive might mean that you give up more big plays, but Ohio State is not good enough man-to-man on defense right now to just rely on winning individual battles. They have to ratchet up the pressure. They have to ratchet up the aggression and the creativity with this defense because there is none right now. Um, <clears throat> so that, those are the changes that I would make. Like I don't know. Maybe it's it's too much to ask them to like stop playing the single high-safety defense they've played for – two plus seasons now but i feel like there are enough reasonable change-ups to that in terms of split safety coverages that they could begin to implement in addition to becoming a more attacking style of defense to make up for their lapses in personnel will you just have them turn on the alabama tape and then poke them and say do that that. (laughs) so i don't know they have the players to do it yeah they do i think they do that's why i don't 
I don't think they're just throwing. I think out, they do. Not, I don't know. Throw, I, I, don't, I don't think they're throwing out eleven <sighs> bad players. Um, I think they are not as good up front as they thought they would be, and maybe that's where some of these issues start. Perhaps they thought that they could run it back because they'd be better up front. They're not. They're they're not awful up front, but they're not as good as Ohio State has been in the past, and you need to compensate for that. Which is to say, like, blitz your linebackers, be aggressive, draw up something that isn't just sitting back and cover one and cover three and getting picked apart by offensive coordinators who know what you're doing on every single snap. And, like, fans in the stands can call out what play the offense is running because it's so predictable and so obvious. It's like you also, as you were watching the game, kind of had a feeling of, like, this is what's coming and they're not going to be able to stop it. And it's like... The, the, the funniest thing about this whole thing, and I think this will be a nice transition to the offense, Bill. But I thought Ohio State was going to win when they got the second stop, down seven. So did I. I thought they were. I thought they were going to tie the game, like on the drive where Stroud missed a wide open Garrett Wilson walking into the end zone. Like I thought they were going to score on that drive, and I thought they were going to win the game. And if they would have won the game in an alternate universe, you might be on. Like I think that most podcasts will be like, well, changes have to be made. Uh, they got through it. They all they had to do was win by one. All that same stuff we were saying before the podcast. Mm-hmm. I think we would have very similar tones right now, even if they would have won that game. Yeah, the defense is still broken, even if they won that game. Yes. Um, but Ohio State had its chance multiple times on offense to win that football game and didn't. And there's a lot of bench CJ Stroud stuff out there. Um. Where are you on the quarterback position? I'm still sticking with C.J. Stroud. Um, he is like – tell me what you think of this, like watching the game on television. Like he looks hurt to me. Like He looks hurt. Like he is – he's very clearly, I think, like favoring his throwing shoulder. And I thought like he was he was throwing high early on in the game and I thought like it was most obvious there. But then – he like settled in like he was he was throwing some of those Justin Fields wide hash to the far sideline throws that like I didn't know he had the arm strength for so like I don't I don't know how much he's actually hindered by that but I think he is pretty clearly playing injured um, and he like admitted as much he he wouldn't like get super specific with it but he said like he had a tough week he was banged up and then he was asked specifically about a shoulder and he said he didn't say like I'm not hurt he said like it's not bothering me um, and like we had that one practice where we were there and, like he didn't throw the ball. Um, yeah. So, like, you just putting pieces together leads you to this conclusion. But, but even with all that said, like, I, I he missed throws, and like the one, like the one you like he he missed Garrett Wilson. Like he like got hit and like had to pull the string a little bit on the throw. Um, and then on the other end, like Garrett Wilson like stumbled out of his route. I I thought there was a, sh- a chance there for Garrett Wilson to run under that ball. It was not exactly where it needed to be but Garrett Garrett looked to me like he kind of lost his footing at the end of his route at the top of his route and the play just didn't connect but like that wasn't that wasn't really to me like CJ Stroud missing a throw he I I think he got hit and he had to pull the string a little bit so like that's whatever but he still missed throws I'm not saying he didn't miss throws um he certainly did miss throws um he certainly still at times looked hesitant um he definitely got locked on to some of those underneath route. Like there were a couple plays late where if he would have just looked to his left and saw the running back in the flat for a check down, there was nobody in front of him, and he just never got there because he locked on to the guy running across the middle of the field. And I don't, I don't want to fault a young quarterback too much for locking on to Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba when they're so good. But I think that has happened a couple times in the last two games. Um, 
But the kid threw for like almost 500 yards and three touchdowns. And like I thought made some really impressive and some aggressive throws over the middle too. And he wasn't helped by drops in some cases. So I'm like not really anywhere close to make a change at quarterback. Like I, I've, I get it. Like there's talented guys behind him and, and I don't know. CJ Stroud's not setting the world on fire, I guess, but I don't think CJ Stroud's been bad. Uh, so I'm, I'm not there. There is something about losing, even when it's not the offense's fault per se, that makes people want to see what's back there. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think. Listen, I think it's insane that Tyler Buckner isn't playing at Notre Dame. I think it's insane that JJ McCarthy isn't playing at Michigan. Sam, these Sam quarterbacks, Washington. yeah, these quarterbacks, to me, are good enough to play. And I don't doubt that Kyle McCord is good enough to play. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think that C.J. Stroud is solid. I don't think he's dynamic yet, and I don't. I'm just not saying that he can never be dynamic. But you're watching football through the lens of a fan base that just got done watching Justin Fields play for the past two years, mm-hmm. and I don't think people really realize how freaking good that guy was. And now you have a guy in C.J. Stroud who's young but also doesn't just drip and ooze with athleticism. And he's hesitant at times. He throws the ball too late at times. He doesn't know when to run at times. And that wasn't anything that you ever had to deal with when you had Justin Fields, the great Justin Fields, as your quarterback. Mm -hmm. That said, I wonder if Kyle McCord, though it would look very different, has that type of athleticism or that arm strength, or that flash that C.J. Stroud doesn't have being a five-star prospect. Or even, for that matter, in a few weeks, Quinn Ewers. And I wonder if that is something that is going to be a necessity for this offense moving forward, especially when Ohio State has to live in a world where they don't have the two best receivers in college football running routes every play. And I think people are anxious about that. And maybe it's too soon. Maybe it's irrational, but watching the game, I knew Ohio State had a chance to score, but my confidence wasn't because I thought C.J. Stroud was a world beater. My confidence was because I didn't think there was anybody who could cover Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and guess what? They couldn't. Yeah. And they didn't win the game, and they didn't score game-tying touchdowns on either of the two drives after Ohio State's defense got a miraculous stop. And I understand there's extenuating circumstances 
for why they didn't. You know, Garrett Wilson tripped. There was pressure. The offensive line wasn't playing with the way they were. They couldn't run the ball. All those things are all valid. But I didn't feel like, okay, Ohio State's got C.J. Stroud back there. They're going to make something happen. And I don't even know if it's fair to put that on him in his second game as a quarterback. But considering the fact that quarterbacks in this generation who pay thousands of dollars for, you know, personal quarterback coaches and go to the opening and are working on their craft and their footwork and are doing drills with tennis balls on the beach and, and doing things that quarterbacks in 1995 weren't doing and are ready as a result of that to play earlier. If there isn't something to explore there. Now, Ryan Day makes $8 million a year or whatever it is to define who the best quarterback is. And he knows more about quarterbacks than we do. But as a casual observer of the game, I can understand why somebody might want to see what else is there. Because I don't think that, I think Kyle McCord could have thrown for 500 yards too. Well, yeah. Like I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to sit there and be like, yeah, the guy threw for 400 or 500 yards. And because of that, I'm out. Like that's not like to me, there was a lot of wide open guys running around. And no, like, I don't think that's. I, you know, he was making some throws, dude. He was. I'm not saying no, no. I'm not saying he didn't make throws. Don't get me wrong, but like Kyle McCord's strength as a prospect was his arm strength. Well, I guess so. Like, what if you? I think it is natural to want to explore a change, just like out of curiosity. Like I get that totally. What does anyone who wants to see a different quarterback play think is going to be different? There's no like if you say okay, well, there's not there's not the same playmaking element there that you have with Justin Fields. Like, of course, there's not. And no yeah. one else in that room is doing that shit either. No, no, no. I know, I know. And I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, I understand. Here. That. I, you, I'm not. you 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 know what I think. But what I do know too is that Ohio State fans are craving a quarterback where they feel like when he's on the field, there he's going to do something special. And maybe that doesn't exist. But if you can rule out that it doesn't exist yet with C.J. Stroud, then I understand trying to view all your options to see if that exists somewhere else on the roster, Mm -hmm. especially considering the fact that what else is on the roster are all world talents in the recruiting realm at that position. Now it's going to be different. Nobody on this roster is ever going to be Justin Fields. And I don't think people had had an appropriate appreciation for how good he was. He was the best quarterback in Ohio State history. And I know that we say that (laughs) gradually, you know, as the years go on, you know, But he was. Yeah. And I just, when I I thought they were going to win, so this might sound contradictory, but I didn't think they were going to win because they're quarterback. Yeah. But I don't know. I think that's all. I think that's fine. But so what, throw the other freshman in there and you feel better? Like, I don't, I just don't. No, not, not, I mean, at that point you couldn't. I'm just saying like in the first half when he was, indecisive and when to run and yeah. when he was missing some guys or whatever, like you might want to see a quarterback I, like McCord play. And I, I know you don't want, you probably don't want to open up a can of worms of quarterback controversy questions every single week for the rest of the year. Cause all it takes is one time of doing that. And you're like in that world and that creates a, a cluster, you know, the way that it did in 2015. And then next thing you know, you lose your team over it. Like I understand mm-hmm. that is a very complicated and delicate situation, yeah. I'm just explaining to you why I perceive people are eager to see that. I, yeah. And maybe that's not true, but like I also would like to be like like to see a quarterback who comes in and throws a laser down the middle of the field to a wide open 
uh, Garrett Wilson for a touchdown in a very critical moment. And it's just like, I didn't, I wasn't expecting the see. I like, I thought that Ohio state would score, but I wasn't expecting CJ Stroud to be the transcending takeaway from the moment. But like, I also think it's possible that Kyle McCord could have been. Yeah, I think it's I if think he it's were possible. more apt to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I mean I think it's possible. Like I, I, I mean I do think Kyle McCord is good, um, and I think Quinn Ewers will be good when he's ready to play. Um, so like I'm I'm not saying like don't ever open the door for C.J. Stroud to give this job up, um, but I also thought like you can't. You, I guess you can't have every week. Well, like boy, he looks kind of lost in the first half, and then he looks pretty good in the second half, and just be like, well, look how he bounced back. Like at some point, you got to be good the entire game. So like I, I'm on board with that. I totally agree with that. Um, but he's the guy that Ryan Day picked, and I think you have to let him like grow in the position. Uh, that said, he does need to be more willing to run the ball. A lot of those zone reads, there were there were. I'm assuming there's zone reads from the way they were blocking them. Like there are opportunities for him to keep and run. Like there's there's green space on on his side of the field from the run. Some of his scrambles where he's kind of just sitting back there waiting for somebody to get open, waiting for somebody to go. Get your head taken off, and then he like gets popped or he runs for a yard or he throws an interception like he did at the end of the game. Like I think he's got to be more decisive in those moments on what he's doing. And part of me wonders like if he is hurt to some extent, to whatever degree he is injured, if there is any hesitancy hesitancy about running the ball created because he is banged up. Um, but then he also like had that run in the fourth quarter. They got called back on what was not a holding penalty against Thayer Munford. So like, I thought he showed a little willingness to do it there, but I think he's got to be willing to do that more. Um, I think he can – no one is a Justin Fields-level playmaker. I think Stroud like could be a playmaker, not to that level, but a playmaker – but he's got to be a little quicker with those decisions and you know not putting himself in bad positions where he's one step from going out of the sideline going out of bounds and he's got to either throw the ball or take the sack like he's got to he's got to make the he's got to process things quicker i think that way here's my thesis are you ready for it mm-hmm. with as much talent as ohio state has on its roster at the quarterback position i don't think that they should have to settle for just fine I don't think they should have to settle for just fine either. I think I think I think CJ Stroud's CJ Stroud's ceiling is certainly better than just fine, and you cannot live. I just don't think you can live in a world, especially where you have. It's not like CJ Stroud. Like this isn't JT Barrett in 2017, where like there was a prolonged track record of like I don't know above average at best quarterback play. CJ Stroud like has played two games. And I don't. I just don't think you can play like that fast and loose with the position when like you you have a bunch of young guys because you set it up this way. You picked one. You have to ride with them for a little bit. If we're talking, if we're having these same conversations, you know, two three weeks from now, when they're playing teams that they have no like they're not in jeopardy of losing, and it just doesn't look like CJ Stroud's getting any better, then maybe you start having those conversations about do we need to make a change? But I just don't think you can do that now. One one Based- one. I don't think he's played poorly, poorly enough to have that discussion. And two, even if he was I don't think that's a move you make right now. Based on what you've seen from CJ Stroud so far this year, will he be the starting quarterback of the Michigan game? Yes. Unless he's hurt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. One, partly because I think his struggles have been overblown quite a bit. Um and two You think it's just an easy target? He's an incredibly easy target, yeah. And I'm not saying he's played perfectly, he hasn't, but I also don't think he's been terrible. Uh, and if you look at some of the reaction to his play, you would think he was playing like absolute dog shit, and he's not. Um, but I also just like 
I don't make assumptions about the guy that's behind him, particularly when we're just talking about a bunch of freshmen. Maybe if like a CJ Stroud was older, I'd be like, okay, can we see something new, please? Um, but that's not this situation. So like, I think you, this is the guy that Ryan Day picked to be the starter. You have to give him a chance to grow in the position. Is my is like my the stance that I fall back on on, on CJ Stroud. Yeah, I mean, it's like now they're going into a portion of their schedule where he's going to play great no matter what. Yeah. Like, it's just like, okay, well, you know, he's going to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns the next three weeks. They're also going to get into some games where the young guys are going to (laughs) play and people are finally going to get eyeballs on Kyle McCord and Jack Miller and possibly Quinn Ewers in an actual ball game. So that could could lead to some more interesting reactions as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I just – this is the hardest. This has always been the hardest thing about Ohio State's schedule. It's like now we're going into that weird dormant part of the season where the team is inherently and clearly and visibly uh, flawed, and they've already paid the ultimate consequence for being flawed, mm-hmm. which is losing. And now we've got to watch them play a bunch of overmatched opponents that aren't going to help us get any answers about whether or not anything's being fixed. And it's just like now we've got to go into this weird cocoon where you and I are podcasting about this team. Up, and it's just like in the back of your head, it's like they suck, they suck, they suck, and it's just like they don't not suck until they beat somebody good, and they don't play somebody good until like my baby's five. So like I just like I, <laughs> she's not even here yet. So it's just like okay, well, you know, enjoy the games, watch the games, enjoy the five hundred yards of offense they're going to put up next weekend, and Trevion Henderson's probably going to score a lot, and it's going to be fun, and and it's just like now it's just like as a football consumer. I just want to. I want answers to my questions, and I feel like it's going to be a month until we get them. And it's like, and even even then, I just like I don't know. Like I said, are we not? Are we sure that Oregon is not better than Minnesota? And it's just like I still freaking feel that way. Like I don't think their quarterback is particularly impressive. Their skill, like Verdell, is fine. Like he's good, but like he ran through holes that you would have gotten twenty yards out of. That's right. Like I like that those sweeps to the left. Like you could have like high stepped like Deion Sanders. You I would have to into I the end zone. Would have like to. yeah, <laughs> and it's just like I'm not sure that Oregon is better than Penn State or the way that Michigan. I don't know. Like Michigan is is uh, hard to to gauge right now because they looked this good in the past before and. They haven't played a good team yet. Yeah. They play Wisconsin and then they lose, but it's just like they kick the crap out of Washington. Penn State got a huge win against Wisconsin week one and beat the crap out of Ball State week two. Yeah. I I just like I mean, I'm super excited for the Clemson Ohio State semifinal. It's gonna be great. But like I wanna just know what's going on with this team. And it's just like, I don't know if you'll be able to, can you think you'll be able to sense schematic changes when they play crappy teams or do you see a single high boring ass defense, uh, you know, every week until they play somebody good. When's the, when's the date of when they play somebody good next? Do you consider Indiana good? No, I don't. Halloween weekend against Penn state. Okay, great. In the shoe. Um, real quick, uh, before we wrap up, they figured out who their good running backs are. Mayan Williams and Trevion Henderson were the only running backs who played against Oregon. Yeah. That was a step in a positive direction. What were the total stats on that? Uh, they rushed for 68 yards total. Uh, no, they rushed for 120-something. Um, I was being sarcastic. I just don't remember any good plays. You don't – no, I thought, like – see, the the idea that uh, – so where are the, here are the numbers here. Uh, Mayan Williams had 77 yards on 14 carries and Trey Henderson had 54 yards on 12 carries. And like those numbers 
when consumed with the knowledge of how Ohio State blocked in that game, I think actually are like kind of encouraging. Like they were they were creating stuff out of nothing, uh, particularly Trevion Henderson, who like got tackled on one play five yards in a the backfield, then shook the guy off of him, and then ran for eleven yards and broke like three other tackles on the process. Like those dudes are. I think Trevion is obviously very special, and Maya Williams is pretty good. Um, so I thought it was good that they just played those two and then play anybody else. Now, do the same thing on defense, and maybe things will start trending in a more positive direction. Yeah, we need uh, the offensive coordinator to f- go on defense and be like, here are your good players, now play them. Do that. Right. Right. Do that. Um, you know the thing that stinks is that I like like Kerry. No, so, yeah. Well, that's – yeah, I think I think everyone who's covered Kerry likes talking with him. And he's a he's a very good recruiter. He's been a good defensive backs coach here. Like, and he loves his players and he loves his position. Yeah, you know, and yeah. like he he loves Ohio State. And it's just like I'm sure he's having a really hard time right now. Yeah, he is. He also gets paid one and a half million dollars to do the job. It's a lot of money to to have a functional defense, which he doesn't have. But I will say, and I asked him this because I was just and, and Doug kind of asked him. Doug Lemurie kind of asked him the same thing. It's like this is. We don't know what Kerry Combs' preferred defensive scheme is, but he inherited this one. And I don't think this, if he was given, you know, total power over what this thing looked like, I don't think this is what it would look like. What would it look like? I have no idea. I don't know. Probably more like what they were playing in 2014 with the quarters coverage. Quarters coverage. Um, but I don't think it would be this. And the other thing about this defense is that nobody else plays it because it's really hard. You have to have dudes all over the place, like they had in 2019, to play this defense. I don't know why they play it. So I want, I want to. Kerry Combs has not done a good job. I would like to maybe see him get like one game where he gets to do what he wants to do, before like we ultimately like close the book on Kerry Combs as defensive coordinator. But I don't know if we're going to ever see that. Cause and I don't know if it's possible. Yeah, I just think this is what they're going to do. It's like yeah, it's. It's just too much of a wholesale change. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Like, there's two ways of looking at it. Young players don't know what they're doing. They're moldable. Or young players uh, don't know what they're doing, and if you change it now, they're going to go crazy. Yeah. I mean, if there was ever a time in in the schedule in the regular season to change some things up, it would be when you're playing Tulsa and Akron and Rutgers and Maryland with a bye week. I'm not even going to watch the Akron game. I'll be there, so I'll watch it. Okay. Um, just just host the show after it alone. It's just like I can't. Like I am actually anxious thinking about talking for an hour after they beat Akron fifty nine to nothing. Well, well, I just like it's just like what are we'll we talk, talk about? about? Uh, we'll talk about Trevion Henderson's three hundred rushing yards. Yeah, I know, but it's just like, oh god. Yeah, these games suck. They're not fun to watch. Yeah, I, th- I think they they suck even more when you know there's a problem. Right. They're not they're not quite as sh- as shitty when. Things are good, and it's like you get to, you know, wait till uh, they play a good team to actually have that showdown. It's like Ohio State had that showdown and failed, and now we haven't got to wait. Yeah, it felt like those. There's times where like you play these games, but it feels like you're in the midst of, of building towards something. And right now, it feels like they got to like tear it down to the studs a little bit, <laughs> while while also playing these bad games. <sighs> weird, weird times. Weird you times. Know, all the goals still out there. Absolutely, still watch, still enjoy it. But we don't candy coat the shit, man. It was awful on Saturday. They're not. It was yeah, truly awful. They're not. By Ohio State's standards, they're not a particularly good football team right now. It's not to say they can't get better. 
but right now they're not good enough. Um, and that's on both sides, I think, but especially on defense. But uh, one last thing, let me close on this. When Ryan Day first took over, and this is like uh, I think the an athletic created thought, and I think a lot of people take it. But like the Nick Saban ruthlessness thing, right? Mm-hmm. When we talk about it regularly on the show, mm-hmm. but he's now in a very critical position in his tenure. I think. Yep. Where you are, the he can't lose mantra, and you know all. The, I think it was always going to come to this at some point. You're not going to go undefeated. It came a little bit sooner than we were anticipating, but it's here. It's like, what do you do if you're Ryan? Um, I don't know. The, the thing, the thing that's a little hard for me in all of this is not is not knowing exactly like where the where the directives defensively are coming from, because like the the structure is Ryan Day's structure that Kerry Combs is running, and if Ryan Day is just like telling Kerry Combs like. Hey man, this is our defense. Run our defense. Figure this out. Um, then I guess like step one for Ryan Day would be to like stop doing that. Um, it's uh, it's it's a little interesting to me how influential Ryan Day as an offensive leaning head coach is on Ohio State's defensive philosophies. Um, and I would like to see that change. That sounds like a Tuesday question to me. But I yeah I don't I don't. Th- it's not to say that if he if he stopped being so influential that they would automatically be good, but I'm a little curious like what it might look like if he just kind of let the defensive staff do his thing and figure this thing out and do whatever was necessary to get it figured out rather than shoehorn a coordinator into a defense that he's never run before. But it could just turn out that Ryan Day, uh, tasked with making an important hire after his first season, did not make a good one. So And then given the opportunity to rectify that after the 2020 season uh did the minimum amount required of him to fill out a staff and didn't change anything so um we'll see i don't know like like it was i think that's which is more important than calling plays yeah like recruiting is doing right in those scenarios recruiting is number one and, and making the right staff decisions is number two and like they're recruiting well and his first staff i thought was a really good staff and this current iteration of this staff um has something to prove in my opinion so yeah, at least on the defensive side. Um, so yeah, no, it is it's, it is a, it is an interesting juncture for Ryan Day. I will say, like he did after Urban lost, it looked he came into a press conference looked like somebody kicked his puppy. Uh, Ryan Day didn't look like that, didn't act like that, um, didn't answer questions that way. I don't know what that means. Probably means nothing. But I thought it was an interesting character study. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very I'm curious, like you are, to see how Ryan Day reacts to this because, as I just said, they're not good enough. Yeah, when Ohio State lost, Urban Meyer was like about to cry. Yeah. And not like in a, in a sissy way. I think it was like out of a frustration way because he was at the end of his pitiful rope yeah. at that in, in those moments. But yeah, you know, oh, that's the weirdest thing about college football, man. I'll catch you in, in November. We'll, we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll get all this sorted out on Halloween when Ohio State plays Penn State. Uh, in the meantime, they have five other games in a bye week before then. We'll figure. We bought a, a Halloween outfit for uh, my unborn baby girl. She's going to be a flamingo this year. Love that. What are you dre- what are you dressing as? <laughs> I I don't know. I've got to be a bird, I think, of some yeah. sort because we got to match, right? That's right. I'm, I want to be like father of the year, you know. And uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll go from there. But it's just like I, I anticipate watching the Ohio State game dressed like a flamingo. There you go. You could dress uh, dress like a bird. You can dress like uh, Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I'm going to be a bird of some sort. Okay, yeah, what eagle are you going to be? <laughs> uh, we're in a group chat with some other friends, and somebody said the Eagles are the most influential band of all time, and, and Landis responded, go birds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, enjoy the NFL football on Sunday. The NFL's back. Maybe that. Yeah, the dogs are going to bark today. Dogs are barking on a Sunday. Or on Sunday. Maybe that yeah. can distract you from, from Ohio State going through it a little bit. But uh, as already said. But hey, I want to say one more thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you're trying to wrap no, up. No, I want to say one more thing. thing. The one thing that we were talking about before the, the episode started, which I thought was funny, is the pain scale. Mm. And it was just like, it really sucked to be an Ohio State fan on sun, on Saturday. But you are not alone. Certainly. It not. was really crappy to be uh, a Notre Dame fan. They didn't lose. But it sucked being a Notre Dame fan. It really, really sucked being an Iowa State By fan. By the way, can I say something on Notre Dame? Yeah. Um, Everyone who and who's to say what could happen moving forward? But there's a lot of I can't believe Ohio State didn't hire Marcus Freeman. I can't believe we have Kerry Combs. Marcus Freeman's defense stinks at Notre Dame too. Okay, you can move that on. Sounds like a column yeah. to me. Uh, Notre Dame is probably going to lose in two weeks to Cincinnati. Iowa State came in as the favorites, maybe or no, not the favorites, but the odds-on favorite to beat the favorite <laughs> in the Big Twelve, and they got their butts kicked by Iowa. And Iowa, by the way, might be really good this year. Yeah, I think it's... Stanford beat the crap out of USC. So that's another year of the, the Clay Helton walking up the sidelines like a ghost. Uh, <laughs> that was... And I have uh, YouTube TV in 4K now. And watching that in 4K was quite the quite the show. Okay, and uh, Arkansas beat the crap out of Texas. Welcome to the SEC, Steve Sarkeesian. Um, Utah, a top 25 team, got their butts kicked in a rivalry game. Miami almost lost to Appalachian State. Um, what am I? What am I forgetting here? Tennessee's first loss of the Hypel era came to Pitt. Uh, Northwestern hung twenty four in Indiana State. I'm trying to think, there's one bigger one too, right? Was there? Wasn't there another? Oh, did you say Florida State lost to in the Jacksonville State? Yeah, Florida State lost to on a hail mary to Jacksonville State, and that's the big one that I forgot. And by the way. There were zero seconds on the clock, and the defensive backs ran parallel to the person with the ball. <laughs> did you watch? Did you watch that? I watched that the last play. Yeah, I watched it a thousand times. I cannot figure out why they didn't try to tackle him. Like, is there a fix going on there? Like, what happened there? Yeah, Explain that. Point to shaving me. happening? Maybe hey, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't come to terms with that. Kansas State almost lost to Southern Illinois. Indiana got their butts kicked last week. Washington is the worst team in the history of college football. <laughs> Ohio State is in the top five of pain scale because losing is worse than almost losing. Even losing to a good team is worse than almost losing to a bad team, right? Yeah, losing is worse than winning, yeah. There's a lot of schmots in college football <laughs> this year. It's, it's to borrow a word that my mom would say, uh, there, there's a lot of schmots out there. Yeah. The reason why I love college football is that 95% of these teams suck, and then there's Alabama. (laughs) So, like, you know, Clemson's already suffered a loss in which they scored zero points. It's like, which, like, in, I I try to, like, fast forward, because this shit's going to be relevant. I know we're going long, but Ohio State just got their butts kicked, so we're going to go long. We're going to go live, okay? Do it live. What do you think is going to look worse in week nine when we're having college football playoff debates? 
Clemson getting shut out basically by Georgia and not being able to get a first down or Ohio State's performance against Oregon? Like, which which ones do you think is going to be a worse loss? Um, Ohio State's? Yeah. Well, I guess it depends. Like, going off of, like, where the teams will be ranked, yes. Because Oregon will be ranked. Well, I don't know. I guess. No, I mean, like, which one do you think is going to look worse? Because <clears throat> Georgia is probably going to be a top five team at that point. But you know what? Georgia could be Georgia and end up losing a weird game, too. Um, but Clemson and Ohio State are in very similar scenarios right now. Yeah, except that I don't. Uh, this is, like, Clemson's schedule the rest of the way is like absolutely terrible, right? Like, at least Ohio State plays Penn State. I'm still got to play North Carolina in the ACC championship game. I'm not letting go of that one. North Carolina, which also has a loss. Um, yep. Everyone's everyone has a everyone loss. Everyone has a loss. Everyone's one and one. Yeah. Except for Alabama. Except Bama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess like losing to Oregon will look worse, but I don't. I think like Oregon, Oregon, like might not lose <laughs> the rest of the year because the Pac-12 is not good. So um, I guarantee you, Oregon will lose. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would bet they're absolutely it. going to lose. They're not that good. That's what's the most frustrating thing about what happened to Ohio State, I think. They're fine. They're a fine team. They're going to lose. Yeah, I think they'll lose, too. They're a pretty good team. Maybe to a bad They're team. team. They're the type of team that's going to get upset by uh, by UCLA or Cal. Yeah. Like, if Oregon was in the Big Ten, I think, like... They could absolutely lose to Penn State. Yeah, but I think, like, right now, you like or you would say, if Oregon was in the Big Ten right now, you'd say they were, at, like, at worst, the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, they're fine. So they're fine. Yeah, they're, they're fine. Not bad. They're, they're not, not great. Bad. They're not great. Ohio State was supposed to be a transcendent national championship contender, and they lost to a team that's fine. Were they? What? Ohio State is always a national championship contender, so, like, I'm the, I take yeah. that part out of it. Transcendent? I think we all knew that no, they I mean, just, like the Ohio State. I mean, State. transcendent in the sense that they were one of the four teams that were actually good enough to win it this year. That's what they were supposed to be. I mean, the way the, I, the sport I, looks I, now, there's one team good enough to win it. So, like, and I don't know, man. I I think Georgia's good enough. Isn't to win Georgia's it. starting quarterback hurt? Yeah, but it's like a and aren't like their injury. best playmakers on offense hurt? Yeah, and they just like have given up like ten total yards this yeah, year. Yeah, the defense is really good. You got to score. Yeah, I don't know, like Georgia. I think Georgia is better than Ohio State right now, but like I don't think that's a tremendously wide gap. I, I don't know. It's like it's I mean, Ohio State was supposed else. to be Ohio State's usually in the club of everybody sucks, but there's those three teams up there. Like they're not usually down here in in the crap. Okay, and right they're now not they're not in the crap. crap. They're not in the crap. Alabama's in the club. What's that word? <laughs> club. <laughs> is that a is that a word? Yeah, Alabama is in its own club by itself. And maybe, oh, and maybe like, club. and Georgia, Georgia's like the first team, like they're waiting for the velvet rope, and they know, they know the bouncer, so like they can get in probably pretty easily. Um, and they have a chain around their neck, chain around, a short they chain. chain around their neck, yeah, yeah, and like one of those like weird t-shirts that's like not like it's like sweatshirt material, but it has short sleeves. Um, uh, and then like Clemson and Ohio State are there too, like they're they're right behind yeah. them. You got the undefeated blue blood still. You got Oklahoma, you got Georgia, and you have got Alabama. And now Oregon has to be in that mix too because they're two and zero. Yeah, Oklahoma we'll almost f- lost to Tulsa we'll in week one when they were displaced two by lane, Hurricane. Two yeah, lane. Like, yeah, Tulane. Sorry, uh, they played Tulane two weeks ago when they uh, didn't have a home stadium to play in and almost lost. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'm looking at the rankings right now. A&M almost lost to Colorado. Like, I mean, I... It's going to be a... Maybe this will be a disaster of a year, but I'm, I'm excited to to watch it, and I'm excited to... I mean, because, like, Ohio State will be 6-1 and one or 7-1 and one or 5-1 and one going into the Penn State game, and they'll be a top-five team again, and just be like, okay. Like, can they win a good game, a team against a good... It's like, okay, we'll get there. But it's like, th- last year, I was banging my fist against the table that Ohio State was undeniably better than Texas A&M. And if that happens again, I am not going to do it unless their defense is different. Yeah, no, like, that's fair. That's I fair. think Ohio State could be Ohio State could be left out as a one-loss conference champion if there's other suitors that have similar resumes. Which uh, And I think I would be fine with that. That's what happened to them in 2018. They yeah. were one-loss conference champion with a terrible defense. And then get in. Now they got their ass kicked. And they're one well, loss. they got their ass kicked by Purdue. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, that's that's a, little, it's a little different. But, but. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't. To wrap it up, they're not in a great spot. I'm not super optimistic that the defense could get like markedly better, but maybe they can fix some things to not be as bad as they are now, and they can still win the Big Ten and probably will still win the Big Ten and make the playoff. So, um, I think the next two months is about trying to figure out if they're getting things fixed defensively. And monitoring CJ Stroud too, like he's he's got to continue to grow. But I think it's all for me. It's all about the defense. And that was our TED talk. And that was our TED talk. Uh, thank you for listening to four to six with A and B and sticking with us on a longer episode. Um, subscribe to the Athletic, theathletic.com slash four six. Still, I believe gets you a fifty percent off discount. That deal I think is running for another week here, so you still have time to do that. Theathletic.com slash four six. Ohio State takes an L. 35-28 to Oregon. They're back at it next week against Tulsa. We'll have a show for you guys later in the week. Until then, thanks for listening.